You may be seated. Thank you. Is anybody ready for the word? Yes. Yes? Yes. Yes. All right, all right. Make sure. (laughs) Amen. I have a question for you. What do you have? That's my message today, and I believe that the Word's going to answer that for us so we know how to respond to God. I ask you, do you ever wonder why so many people are struggling these days, walking around defeated and just trying to survive? Is it because, that, is it because God is lacking? No. Is it because that we are lacking faith to believe? Not completely. In order to have faith, you must know what you have faith in. Over the years, skewed or incomplete teaching has failed to instruct believers on one of the most basic of tenets. I believe the key to so many people feeling defeated is the inability to answer a common question of life. What do you have? How many remember the Wizard of Oz? And the plight of Dorothy. She had the power to get home the whole time with her ruby red slippers, but she didn't know what she had. You know that we're a lot like Dorothy. We have amazing power with us and in us, but too many times we'd rather listen to a mindless scarecrow or a heartless tin man or a cowardly lion. We spend so much time walking in circles following our own yellow brick road and listening to every munchkin along the way who tries to tell us how to get to that sparkling city of Oz where we hope our blessing awaits. Listen, God never designed this life to be this difficult. However, there will be great challenges in life. And many times, things will not go our way. We will face great persecution from others and there will be pain in life indeed, but the journey for hope was never meant to be so long. Hope is what we take with us wherever we go in life. If we realize what we already have, Then we will spend far less time wandering in the wilderness and more time with God and growing with Him. When we know what we have, we will face trials. But we won't spend so much time in doubt and fear and confusion and helplessness and pity and frustration. God went through an awful lot so that we would know what we have. So what do we have? Well, our our memory verse for this week tells us what we have. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 tells us, We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power of God may be, may be of God and not of us. This treasure that we have in earthen vessels is speaking about us. We are the vessel and we have this treasure inside of us and so many times we forget that it's even there. We already have the treasure We don't have to go search for it. We don't have to follow a formula or a map to find it. We don't have to even earn it or work our way up to it. Upon our acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have the treasure. So what's the treasure? The Holy Spirit. The living being, God Himself, Emmanuel, God with us, dwelling inside of us, continually speaking to our hearts, encouraging us when we're down, bringing us truth when we're confused as long as we remain open to Him. Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14, 
tells us that in Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. What God is saying is He's put a down payment inside each one of us, guaranteeing us our place in our eternal home. But so right now, we walk through this earth with that treasure inside of us, as long as we continue to acknowledge His presence. By accepting Jesus, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our inheritance. And when we truly realize that this treasure is more than just a promise for something far off, we can walk in the abundance of God's presence right here on earth. But before we can access this abundance of knowledge and encouragement and wisdom, we have to be able to see in a special way. Much of the way we learn as humans is, is through trying to connect things or by building a bridge from something old into something new. However, many times to step from one thought to the next, we tend to try to even the steps, to level the playing field. And in, in doing so, sometimes we bring something down so that we don't have to step up too high to reach it. In other words, we make two pieces of information as similar as possible so we can more easily step onto and into a new concept. In fact, if you think about what happened in the Garden of Eden, that's exactly what happened. Adam and Eve bought into a lie from Satan that attempted to make the steps between themselves and God on even ground. Through eating the forbidden fruit, they attempted to be like God. In other words, they lost the ability to see the contrast between themselves and God. And thus, they could no longer see the treasure of God's presence that was before them. Many churches today are trying to even those steps, making the church look a lot more like the world. And when they do that, we lose the power of God because we no longer see the contrast. If the church looks like the world, there's no power because there's no power in the world. The church is, by, is when the believers in the house of God. Amen? Amen? We need to understand and have the reverence for God. And that's where the power is because we understand and see the contrast. When we lose the contrast, we lose the gap between us and God. And it is in this gap where faith resides. It is our faith that connects us to God, not our logic, not our desire to be like Him, nor our desire to be even with Him, which we can never be. The only way we can reach God is by crossing a bridge of faith. If we take out the bridge to make room for our logic or our comfort, we will be left helpless on the other side of a large chasm and never be able to reach God. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. To diligently seek God means even when I don't understand him, I'm still going to seek him. Even when life doesn't make sense, I'm still going to trust him. Job said, yet he slay me, still will I praise him. Even when we don't understand what's going on, we still continue to press into God. Because it's through that contrast that our faith muscles are built up. 
as God draws us into His presence. If we rely on the approach of eliminating the gap between us and God, we will never see the treasure that He's given us as well. We can only see God through faith glasses. That's why the Pharisees and the Jews never saw God. They tried to understand Him with their logic and their knowledge, but they never put on their faith glasses. We must always leave room for faith to make the connection. After all, God's own Word says this. In Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, He says, through speaking through the prophet Isaiah, He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Why do we expect then that we should be able to understand everything that God is doing? When God clearly says otherwise in His words, His thoughts are way above our thoughts. His ways are way above our ways. That's where faith comes in, where we trust Him. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power is of God and not of us. That's what we learn. We need to see that we are nothing and that God is everything. In other words, we need to see the contrast if we expect to see God for who He really is. So many times we think we are lost or going backwards if we can't understand what God is doing or allowing in our life. But the exact opposite perspective is usually in the making if we would only consider it. When we don't understand, we leave the gap open for faith if we acknowledge it. We must understand the gap and the contrast if we truly desire to see the treasure. 2 Corinthians 5.7 tells us that we walk by faith, not by sight. And yet so many times we're upset because we don't see or feel or hear God. And, and, and God's Word says we walk by faith. We're not always going to understand. But the treasure inside of us is going to remind us that God is always with us. Faith is our sight. The quicker we see the contrast, the closer we will be to the power. It's only when we accept that the power is not from us but from God that we truly have unlimited access to the excellence of His power. Therefore, faith allows us to know the treasure that we have. So knowing what we have, we can face life's trials and tribulations. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4.8 tells us we are hard-pressed on every side yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. All these things are happening to us, but we are not overwhelmed because of the treasure of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Verse 9, We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. This is the key that not only unlocks the power, but keeps it unlocked. It is this constant awareness, the continual reminding, the willful and intentional choice to put God first in all that we do. Not just in what He did, but what He continues to do for us. He died for us. That's love. We just said that today. God shows His own love for us and that while we were still sinners, He died for us. He died for us. He paid the penalty for our sins. He redeemed us with His own blood. 
The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit leads us to have this constant awareness that keeps our bridge of faith secure. Knowing the sacrifice He made on our behalf keeps the contrast clearly in our mind. And through this constant awareness and continual reminding, we will be ready to answer the all-important question from God. So when God asks us, we need to know what we have. In fact, God shows this truth in the Old Testament as well. In 2 Kings 4.1, we're introduced to a woman. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. God rewards faithfulness in your time of need as long as you cry out to Him and not to the world. Because the world will always try to level the playing field in an attempt to squeeze out God. God is continually trying to, is being squeezed out of the world's answer daily. But only God will allow you to see the contrast when you cry out to Him. Verse 2, So Elijah said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have? What do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant is nothing but a, in the house but a jar of oil. Did you hear that? What do you have in your house? Now this teaching has a practical application as it applies to the widow, but it also has a spiritual application as it applies to us. The house is symbolic of our bodies because Paul said that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We house that treasure. We house the Holy Spirit in us. And throughout the Bible, the oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the reason this woman was ripe for power was because she was stripped down to nothing. All she had was a little bit of oil. Now, God doesn't have to work this way, but sometimes He allows us to lose everything so that we can see what we have. She had nothing in her house but the oil. She could see the contrast because the things and the worries and the desires of life did not get in the way. When we get the eyes of God, we see His Spirit first, not our problems, not our lack, not our issues. We see His Spirit moving in and through everything. We too need to see that all we have in us is the Holy Spirit and that everything else pales in comparison. That's the contrast between the Holy Spirit and everything else. The Holy Spirit dwells in us with the fullness of His power and gives us access to all of this when we know what we have. When God asks you what we have, we don't turn to our problems or our complaints or excuses. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's what God gives us, that we all have. 2 Kings, 2 Kings 4, verse 3. Then he said, Elijah said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels. Do not just gather a few. In other words, God's saying this to us. Bring to me every part of your life. I want to fill it with my Spirit. But they must be empty. Empty means willing. Are you willing to give God this part of your life and to trust Him with it. Take out your expectations, take out your worries, take out your doubts, and willingly give that empty vessel to God so that He can fill it. 
Verse 4, And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. What God is saying is we need to begin to operate in the Spirit in every area of our life. Pray for His guidance. Pray for His wisdom and patience. Pray in the Spirit and allow God to direct your thoughts and your next move and to know where to serve. We need to understand the Holy Spirit is available for us. But we need to do, we need to do the asking and the seeking. The Holy Spirit won't do it for us. In the passage here, notice who is doing the pouring. It's not Elijah. It's not the man of God. It's the widow herself. God wants us to begin to operate not in our own power, but in the power of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We have to give in order to live. In other words, we need to operate in the fruit of the Spirit to see and experience and taste the goodness and the fullness of God. We must understand that the oil will not increase until we are actually pouring it or using it. When we are allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through us, we get a first-hand experience of the treasure of God. He can work in spite of us and often has to. But God prefers to work through us, that we are blessed as well as all those we are pouring into. Back to Second Kings, verse 5. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Verse 6, Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another vessel, so the oil ceased. When we stop pouring into others through the fruit of the Spirit, it means we are back to operating in our own strength. And we've squeezed God out. At this point, we lose the contrast and the flow ceases. Remember, God gives so that we can give. Certainly there are times because of a wounding where we have little to give. But if the motivation in our heart causes us to stop giving and only expect to receive what we have nothing left to give. How many people have ever heard of the Dead Sea? Lowest spot on earth. My wife and I actually floated in the Dead Sea. Does anybody know why the Dead Sea is dead? Yeah. Do you know why there's so much salt? It's because it doesn't give into any place else. It, it just receives. It's the lowest spot on earth. When we stop giving, we become dead as well. The Dead Sea can support no life because it only receives, it doesn't give. It's a a reflection of us as well. When we are no longer giving, we are not full of life. We need to continue to give. And we cannot give in and of ourselves because we do it out of our motivations. But when we give with with the power of the Spirit, we give out of love and joy and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control. The Holy Spirit works through us automatically when He's flowing through us. Ephesians 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
God asks us to continue His work in this world. We don't do it to get a leg up or to raise up the ladder. We do it because we're flowing in what God has already prepared for us to do. When we understand the treasure that we have, God moves through us to bless others. That's what the body of Christ is called to do. The opportunities are there for us to give. We just have to ask God to direct us to the works that He has already prepared for us. Sometimes we're not trusting that God will give us more if we give away what He gave us. 2 Kings 4, verse 7. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go and sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons can live off the rest. Listen, regardless of what the world tells you, we can live on what the Holy Spirit provides. God is all-sufficient, and as He gives, we live. We can live on the rest. In other words, when we learn to rest on the fact that the Holy Spirit lives and reigns in us in glory and power, when we learn to rest on the fact that God is the source and we are just the channel for the water to flow through, when we choose to rest on the fact that there is a great contrast between us and God, that the only way that we can bridge that gap is through faith, then we can finally see the treasure and know what we have. But that's not all. Romans 8.11 tells us that if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Do you understand that the church, the early church, didn't just go out with a great idea? Didn't just go out with a plan and a purpose to change the world? It was the Holy Spirit working through them that evangelized the Word across the world. If we continue to understand what we have, the Holy Spirit will push us into the places where we need to be. The Holy Spirit will connect the body of Christ around the world because God is using the Spirit through us. You see, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now dwells in us. We walk in the resurrection power of Christ. So what do we have? We have power. We have resurrection power. Nothing can hold us down. Nothing can stop us. No hole can trap us. No rope can tangle us. No chains can bind us. No enemy can cheat us. No lie can defeat us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper, our Word says. As long as we know what we have, we have the treasure of all treasures, the Holy Spirit living inside of us, the King of kings seated on the throne of our hearts, the great I Am who was and is and is to come. That's what we wait for. We're waiting for Jesus to come back with all power to take us out of this mess and take us to our eternal home with all of our loved ones. Amen? We have power. What do we have? We have the Holy Spirit. What do we have? Power. Amen. We have the Holy Spirit, right? We have power in the Holy Spirit. God has called us to use that power, not our own logic or our own strength, to use that and go out and change this world. How do we do that? By giving love, by extending forgiveness, by extending mercy and grace. That's how we show the world that God is alive. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You've honored us with Your presence, that You've given us power in the form of the Holy Spirit. Help us to know that we carry You about in all that we do. That no matter what the world looks like, no matter what is thrown at us, no matter what it feels like, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. 
that the excellence of the power is from you, God, and not of us. Help us to use that, to understand that, to extend uh, your spirit to the world. Lord God, by your strength, help us to love, to live, to give, to forgive, to extend your grace and mercy into this world that needs you right now. We count it as an honor that you've chosen us to receive this treasure, this deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance one day with you. But right now, let us continue to walk in your power and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.